Oral questions by members? Opposition House Leader. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Well, life has never been more unaffordable than it is today under the NDP government. And now, wasteful spending of epic proportions on public infrastructure projects is making things considerably worse for British Columbia's struggling families. The Cowichan Hospital project is now three years behind schedule and $850 million over budget, all due to NDP incompetence. The project is under a so-called CBA, or Community Ripoff Agreement, that excludes, actually discriminates against, 85% of BC's construction workers. Now, these ripoff agreements also deny qualified local and Indigenous workers like contractor, uh, and contractors like John Coleman, who is here with us today, the opportunity to work on vital projects, public projects, within their respective community. John uh, says, and I quote, abolish the CBA. You're disrespecting everyone at the table. There is no reconciliation, end quote. So will the Premier end the discriminatory community ripoff agreements that are preventing Indigenous contractors like John Coleman from participating in projects within their traditional territory? Minister of Health. Well, thank you very much, Honourable Speaker. I can tell you that people in the Cowichan Valley agree with me, Honourable Speaker, that the Cowichan Hospital needed to be built years ago. And we are proceeding to do just that, Honourable Speaker. Adding dozens of new acute care beds, mental health facilities that matter to people everywhere in BC and matter to people in the region. Improved capacity for Members. surgeries, Honourable Speaker. All of those things come. And, Honourable Speaker, yes, everyone working on the couch in hospital today lives within 100 kilometres of the hospital, Honourable Speaker, building support and building the community and training more people while we do that work. More than 20 per cent of people under the CDA are Indigenous now. As I said in response to a question last week, Honourable Speaker, Cowitson Development Corporation is now eligible to bid for work on the Cowichan Hospital site without a change to their workforce. Honourable Speaker, discussions between the subcontractor and the KDC began last Thursday. Honourable Speaker, and our government has met with Chief Whitsum and Jody Dick, the CEO of their development corporations, to ensure that everyone is clear on the process. We, of course, need everyone to build this extraordinary and important project for health care that will serve the Cowichan Valley for decades to come. We support it, Honourable Speaker. We've brought it into place. We're building the hospital, something the gov previous government failed to do for years. Opposition House Leader Supplemental. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Well, this project just highlights the NDP incompetence at a whole other level. We're talking about, again, a project that is three years late and $850 million over budget. But worse than that, if it's possible to be worse than that, Mr. Speaker, this project doesn't make it, uh, it doesn't enable anyone to be eligible to work on the project. Those are, those are weasel words for anyone to suggest that, that John Coleman and contractors and, and Indigenous workers, non-Indigenous workers like him, frankly, that make up the 85% of British Columbians that uh, are not allowed to, to bid on these projects unless they join one of the NDP's units to suggest that that's eligibility? Well, that's a very different definition than I think most British Columbians have. And certainly, 
the BC Infrastructure Benefit website actually says, and I quote, you are required to apply for membership with one of the affiliated unions within 30 calendar days, end quote. And guess what? John Coleman, he doesn't want to abandon uh, his business model. He doesn't want to, uh, to, to get rid of over half of his workers, which is what you, he would end up having to do if he was to go and sign on with one of these, uh, with, uh, encourage his workers to sign on with these, with these unions. What he does want to do is he wants his workers and he wants his business to be able to work on a project in their traditional territory. Mr. Speaker, at a time when families are struggling, it's shameful to see every single one of the NDP's community rip-off projects result in less for more. Patello Bridge, delayed a year, $100 million in extra costs, lacks a new interchange that was long promised on the Surrey site, and they're replacing a four-lane bridge with a four-lane bridge. Highway 1 four-laning, higher cost, decreased scope, and delayed construction. Pick a project uh, on the Trans-Canada Highway. Anywhere, anywhere, pick a project. They're all uh, massively higher in cost with, with reduced uh, scope. And now the Cowichan Hospital, $85 million over budget. Dan Gillespie of Down to Earth Trucking says, and I quote, this discrimination isn't right, and it doesn't benefit the little guys in our town. In, I support John Coleman and other local contractors in calling for the CBA policy to be abolished, end quote. So again, a question to the Premier. Will he get up today with John Coleman and many others watching John Coleman here in the chamber? Will the Premier get up and scrap the community ripoff agreements that discriminate against qualified workers and contractors who want to work on the projects in their communities? Minister of Health. Well, Honourable Speaker, the industry average for Indigenous participation on such projects is 6%. On the Cowichan project, it's well over 20%, Honourable Speaker. That shows the progress you can make when you give priority to ensuring that when a project is built, it doesn't just build, uh, build uh, our, our uh, health care capacity, but improves the ability of people to work now and in the future brings access, Honourable Speaker, to training and to benefits. <coughs> Four times as much is pretty significant, Honourable Speaker. And I just say this uh, on health care projects in general. I could go down the line, Honourable Speaker. Dawson Creek Hospital delayed for decades, Honourable Speaker, being built now. I see you. I see you, Honourable Speaker. I see you, Honourable Speaker. Members. Older, members. The, the, uh, they know, Members. they know, and we know, we're proceeding, Honourable Speaker. Yes. I see you in Quinnell, Honourable Speaker. Mills Memorial Hospital, Honourable Speaker. Major project at Keysarts Hospital, Honourable Speaker. Major project in Williams Lake, Honourable Speaker. The reason we need to build these projects, Honourable Speaker, is after years of delay, the hospitals that have served many communities well Members, Speaker, members. need to be rebuilt, and that is precisely what we are doing. Member for Camloose, North Thompson. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Well, the minister better uh, brush up on some of his own announcements because Dawson Creek has been delayed by this minister. Williams Lake has been delayed by this minister. The Cowichan Hospital, Mr. Speaker, was supposed to actually be open in 2024, not our timeline, this government's timeline. It's in pre-construction. It's nowhere near being open in 2024. In fact, the Cowichan project has become the most expensive hospital project of its kind in Canada due to this NDP complete bungling of the project. 
The Premier can simply look up the road to the North Island Hospitals project to see what it should be. We built two state-of-the-art hospitals in the Comox Valley and Campbell River for $600 million. On time, on budget. $2.4 million a bed. The Cowichan Hospital, Mr. Speaker, is now three times that dollar value. And I know the, the Minister might try to say, well, but with inflation, that's still over twice as expensive in the Cowichan Hospital right now than other hospitals being built all over this country right now. Complete incompetence by this government. Again, will the Premier scrap these wasteful community rip-off agreements that cost taxpayers more and more and are delivering less and less every single time? Minister of Health. Well, Honourable Speaker, there were four, uh, four terms of Liberal government and four times the Dawson Creek Hospital was promised, and four times they failed to deliver it, Honourable Speaker. We are delivering on it, Honourable Speaker, on a new site, Honourable Speaker. Uh, Honourable Speaker, the Mills Memorial Hospital project, Honourable Speaker. Member. The Mills Memorial Hospital uh, project, Honourable Speaker, should have been built decades ago. It's being built now in Terrace by this government, Honourable Speaker. The Williams Lake Hospital project, Honourable Speaker, they should have started in 2008. They took 10 years, Honourable Speaker. Well, a concept plan sat on the desk of a previous Minister of Health, not me, Honourable Speaker. A previous Minister of Health, Honourable Speaker, sat on their desk like the Terrace Hospital, like the Dawson Creek Hospital. We are proceeding to build the hospitals of the future in BC, and the people of those communities support that. Member for Cambridge North Thompson, supplemental. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Well, once again, the NDP rhetoric just simply doesn't match anywhere near the actual results that they are failing to provide for British Columbians. These hospitals are all delayed. They're all delayed. Couchin was announced in 2018. You know what happened in five years? And we had five years. We built two hospitals on the North Island on time and on budget, and they were open. You know what's happened under this NDP government in Couchin, Mr. Speaker, after five years? during pre-construction and $850 million over budget. That's what this government seems to think is progress. On time and on budget, we were Abbotsford Regional Hospital, Jim Pattison Pavilion in Surrey, the Penticton Regional Hospital, hospital projects in Vernon, Vancouver, Kelowna. I could keep going on, but we won't have time to capture them all. The Comox Valley and Campbell River Hospitals alone had over 290 apprentices that were working on the project. All of those other projects had apprentices training. All of those other projects had Indigenous people training. And in fact, a lot of those projects had 30%, not 20%, Indigenous participation. In contrast, after being announced five years ago, the Couch and Hospital, once again, $850 million over budget on an original $600 million budget. This is strictly a decision by this NDP government to discriminate against the 85% of the construction workers and it is simply only benefiting their 19 hand-chosen unions at the expense of unionized and non-unionized workers across this promise, province. Again, will the Premier end this wasteful use of billions of tax dollars, put people like John Coleman back to work where they want to be working, and get rid of these community rip-off agreements? Minister of Health. Well, uh, the opposition uh, uh, finance critic talks about Vancouver, 
Honorable Speaker. They announced St. Paul's Hospital uh, in 2002, business plan. 2004, 2008, they announced it again in 2009. They didn't want to hurt this promise by keeping it. 2011, 2015, no one showed up for that one, Honorable Speaker. They were so embarrassed about the previous six announcements, Honorable Speaker. And uh, Honorable Speaker, in that time, Honorable Speaker, it's not like St. Paul's Hospital didn't need to be fixed, Honorable Speaker. It, was one of the, it is, of course, an outstanding hospital in BC, but it needed to be done in 2002. They delayed for 16 years it took them to go from business plan to pre-business plan stage. That's the wrong direction, Honourable Speaker. We are committed when we build major projects, Honourable Speaker. When we to, they, wait a second. They've mentioned Surrey, Honourable Speaker. We're building the hospital. I can't believe they're mentioning Surrey, Honourable Speaker. Uh, I can't believe it, Honourable Speaker. Members. They, Honourable Speaker, sold the land that that hospital should have been built on. And we are building that hospital. House Leader of Third Party. Yeah, thank you, Mr. Speaker. Currently, there's a proposal to expand the Bamberton Quarry to extract nearly 500,000 tonnes annually of construction aggregate, uh, a toxic soil dump, and the expansion of a provincial foreshore lease. Like our ancestors, I, my relatives, and our descendants rely on the Saanich Inlet to harvest our food. Salmon, herring, herring eggs, cod, cod eggs, snapper, crab, clams, mussels, prawns, ducks, oysters, sea eggs, urchins, octopus, seal, seaweed, deer, and many other species, Mr. Speaker. In 1996, the BC NDP government published a 500-page study of the inlet. It found the Saanich Inlet is a highly valued place. The aesthetic, cultural, spiritual, and environmental values have been diminished or degraded, and despite the degradation, it is still a viable ecological system. The study recommendations, Mr. Speaker, are clear. The level of protection must be based on the most sensitive human or ecological use. The precautionary principle must be applied when questions or gaps in information occur, and quote, the assimilative capacity must not be viewed as a pollute up to level, but rather as a tool to effectively direct protection and remediation efforts, end quote. The report was inclusive, it was collaborative, and this government's ministers of the environment, mines, and forests are all pretending like it doesn't exist. Through you, Mr. Speaker, to the Minister of the Environment, is his Environmental Assessment Office using this study to inform their decisions about whether an environmental assessment of the proposed industrial expansion in the Saanich Inlet is acceptable. Minister of Environment and Climate Change Strategy. Thank you very much, Honourable Speaker. And I want to thank the, uh, the member for raising the issue of the proposed Bamberton Quarry expansion. And I also want to thank the Saanich Inlet Protection Society for their, um, their uh, determination to ensure that all issues related to the health of the inlet and related to the potential expansion of the quarry are on the table. As the, uh, as the member knows, the Saanich Inlet Protection Society made an application to the Environmental Assessment Office to consider uh, whether this uh, proposed 
expansion project should be subject to an environmental assessment. Uh, the EAO has uh, gone out of its way uh, to hear from people. It has, in fact, allowed the Saanich Inlet Protection Society in an unprecedented manner uh, to participate in uh, directly and having a voice in uh, public hearings and having input into those hearings. There has been a period of time set aside after the initial report for um, public comment and in fact the Environmental Assessment Office has extended that public comment period uh, to February 21st to ensure that there is adequate time uh, for additional public input. Uh, at that point, the result of all of the input and all of the knowledge uh, about the inlet will be uh, applied to the determination about whether an environmental assessment should be ordered. House Leader, third party, supplemental. Yeah, thank you, uh, Mr. Speaker. I just, I think it needs to be pointed out that it took a community organization to get this provincial government to pay any attention to this application at all. Otherwise, this application was just screaming through the process. This delay that the minister has highlighted is only happening because that community group raised this. And in light of all of the information, including the 500-page study that I raised previously, in light of that information that this government has, the Environmental Assessment Office has gone to the extent to say an environmental assessment is not recommended for this project. Even though the 500-page study it was laid before this government back in 1997. What it seems like is that this process is just an enabler of the extractive industry that is proposing to grind away a sacred mountain site and to threaten and damage all of the food sources that my and my, me and my relatives harvest and feed our families with for generations and that we are standing up and hoping we can protect for generations to come, Mr. Speaker. And it's not just, it's not just this situation that the Minister of the Environment has turned his eye away from. There is the Heartland Road landfill that's spreading human waste on the top as a cap. That's just on the other side of Mackenzie Bight, another place where we harvest snapper, Mr. Speaker. There's a, there's a proposal to build a highway not beside Goldstream, where we harvest salmon, but Mr. Speaker, right in Goldstream. Question so member. for you, Mr. Speaker, when will this Minister of the Environment stop excusing the destruction of the Saanich Inlet and start protecting it? Minister. Thank you very much, uh, Honourable Speaker, and uh, thank you again to the member for the question. Uh, I'm a bit surprised that the uh, member believes that I'm excusing destruction when no final decision has been made. I take the process seriously, and I, I think uh, what the member has failed to recognize is that when we revitalized the Environmental Assessment Act in 2018 and we put in place the reviewable projects regulation, the new one, we included a provision that not only set thresholds to trigger assessments for new projects and expansions of existing ones, but we put in place a mechanism to ensure that if certain projects came close to that threshold, they had to notify the Environmental Assessment Office so consideration could be given as to whether an assessment should be ordered in a particular specific case. That is exactly the process 
that we are undertaking today, and that is a process that we take very seriously. Member for Shuswap. Well, thank you, Honourable Speaker. It's truly outrageous what has been happening under these CBA ripoff agreements. They're dismissive, they're disrespectful, and they're discriminatory. Cowichan Tribe's members are being denied the ability to work unimpeded on projects located within their traditional territories, land that they donated. Dan Williams of Ravenstone Construction is a Cowichan Tribe's member who says he wants to work on a project in his territory without NDP government discrimination. Quote, we lost any opportunity to work on this project because I'm not going to accept losing core employees and having my business dismantled just to participate, end quote. Through Honourable Speaker, will the Premier tell Indigenous contractors like Dan Williams and John Coleman, who are joining us here in the gallery today, why he doesn't think that they are good enough to work on projects in their traditional territory? Minister of Health. Well, uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker, and, and the member is simply not factually correct. The, uh, in, in fact, Honourable Speaker, he'll know the, the very high level of Indigenous participation on this project demonstrates the commitment of the CBA to ensuring that uh, people in society who previously have not had a sufficient participation in government projects have got that participation, Honourable Speaker. But that, those aren't just numbers, Honourable Speaker. Last week, two plumber, plumbers from the Cowichan Nation started work on the hospital project. They're a father and son, and dad is a Red Seal plumber. Neither was a member of a union. They will be among the first plumbers on the work site because of the priority language of the Community Benefits Agreement. Member for Skina. Honourable Speaker, I didn't read, read about the discrimination, the discriminatory nature of the Indian Act in a book. I lived it. I tried to fix it. And now we find, in the 21st century, the Kaohsiun tribes are going through exactly what was First Nations were going through 100 years ago. Exclusion and discrimination under a CBA. But it's okay because it's legislation. That's what the Indian Act was. The Indian Act promised to look after Indians only if the Indians agreed to live by government rules. You've come for a circle, and you've made it a provincial Indian Act, not a federal. This is wrong. Anybody can see this is wrong. The elders of the Cowichan tribes gifted land to the province to build the hospital in Cowichan. Then the Premier told the Cowichan tribes they can't work unless they pay the union agents who support them politically. This is a colonial story from 100 years ago. As John Coleman said today, and I quote, I thought we were past the days of such discrimination, sidelining and treating Indigenous people as if we don't know anything, end quote. I know exactly how he feels. This is no different than being controlled by an Indian agent. And for all of you that purport to understand what First Nation culture is, or maybe even have some ancestry in your, your background, you should know what he's talking about. Not these political narratives that are empty. My question is to the Premier. 
Will the Premier tell John Coleman, who is sitting here today watching in the gallery, why the Premier is discriminating against him and other Indigenous people who want to work on public projects? Minister of Health. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Honourable Speaker, and uh, to the member. Uh, the Cowitz and Development Corporation is now eligible for bid for work on the project, Honourable Speaker, period. And uh, those discussions have been underway. They were been underway, for example, because I spoke in the House on Wednesday since last Thursday, and they continue now, Honourable Speaker. Uh, and no, Honourable Speaker, as I said then, as I say now, Honourable Speaker, they're eligible to bid for work on the couch and hospital site without a change to their workforce. Can't be more straightforward than that, Honourable Speaker. That's the circumstance, and we have a project. Well, Honourable Speaker, did last Wednesday. Uh, we've also uh, been uh, meeting uh, with Chief Whitsum, with the, with the Development Corporation, and that's exactly right. Well, Honourable Speaker, uh, I'm sure, Honourable Speaker, everyone in the sound of my voice understands what that means, what it meant last Wednesday, and what it means now, which is they're allowed to bid on the project and, of course, work on the project without a change to their workforce. Members, member for Vancouver Langara. Well, Mr. Speaker, this minister's response is highly disrespectful to the Cowichan tribes, whose contractors and workers continue to be blocked from working on their traditional territory. This government's imposition of its discriminatory CBA regime on the Cowichan Regional Hospital Project, with no consultation with the Cowichan tribes, is not economic reconciliation. And this government should know that. Article 17 of UNDRIP says very specifically that Indigenous peoples have the right not to be subjected to any discriminatory conditions of labour. But that is exactly what we have seen under the discriminatory CBA regime against the companies and workers of the Cowichan tribes, including John Coleman and Dan Williams. As Chief Lydia Whitson said on the weekend, quote, our companies and their workers are sitting on the sidelines, watching the clock run out on any meaningful participation." End quote. To the Premier, how is this discrimination against Indigenous peoples consistent with Article 17 of UNDRIP? Minister of Health. Uh, thank you very much, Honourable Speaker. And uh, I'll uh, repeat the answer because um, uh, it's important that these uh, questions are understood. The uh, couch and hospital project is um, incredibly important to the people of the region, to all people of the region, including the couch and tribes. We've worked together with all the parties to ensure and talk through the challenges. And in fact, honorable speaker, since last Thursday, the subcontractor, that's the way the work goes on a big project, the subcontractor has been in discussion, honorable speaker, Member for Vancouver Langara, please. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker. And that the, the Cowitz and Development Corporation is now eligible to bid on the work without a change in the composition of their workforce. It's fairly uh, straightforward and clear. The work is ongoing. The government has met with Chief Whitson on this very question. And so I, I think, Honourable Speaker, uh, I would say as well, Honourable Speaker, that this project is of central importance to the Cowichan tribes, is currently 
on-site uh, having a significant uh, uh, honorable speaker participation of indigenous people and it will have more. And with respect to the Cowlitz and Development Corporation, they're going to have uh, every right to bid on the work without, the change, without a change of the workforce, which is exactly, I think, what the member is asking for. Member for Abbotsford West. Uh, thanks, uh, Mr. Speaker. You know, I've, I've listened carefully, and if what the minister was saying, is saying, was true, John Coleman wouldn't be sitting here. He'd be back home working on the project. I think of all, Mr. Speaker, all the high-minded statements that have been made in this chamber by members on both sides uh, about UNDRIP. And then when you look at this Cowichan Hospital fiasco, you realize how little things have changed practically. I spoke with an Aboriginal gentleman on the weekend, older fellow, he's got some ancestral connection with Cowichan, he's not from there. And he used a term that the member for Skeena, he said, he talked about the lingering colonialism. That's the, the term that he used. He told me 60 years ago, governments went to his family and said, of course we'll help educate you. You just have to do it our way. Today, the equivalent is governments that come to Aboriginal people and say, Oh, of course you can participate in big public works progress uh, projects. You just have to organize yourselves the way we tell you to organize yourselves. It is a lingering form of colonialism, Mr. Speaker, but it's even worse because it's colonialism driven by cronyism. By a government that cares more about satisfying their political donors in the big labour movement than honouring the spirit here, of the here. UN Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples. <laughs> to the Premier, will he stand in this place and finally recognise what these CBA rip-off agreements have actually become and what they're actually doing. They're costing British Columbians hundreds of millions of dollars more than they should for these important projects. And Mr. Speaker, will he recognize that they are making a mockery, a mockery of the reconciliation that UNDRIP was supposed to represent in British Columbia? Premier. Thank you, Honourable Speaker, and thank you uh, to the member for the question. Um, I think it's critically important that this government is building a new hospital in Cowichan. The hospital was built in 1967, and it's time to be replaced. But I think uh, the core of the member's question is, you know, when you're building big public infrastructure projects, it's, it's important that you build them, of course. But it's also important how you build them, the standards you build them to, talk about climate change, environmental protection, but also how you treat the people and who gets to work on the projects. That is what the CBA agreements are about. It's about making sure that when we put big public investments into major infrastructure, that people who haven't had access to apprenticeships get access to apprenticeships, that they get to build skills training opportunities, that the jobs go to people in the local area 
And, you know, I, I, I hope that now, uh, that's a, a position universally shared through this legislature. The question is just, how do we get to that? Now, for Mr. Coleman, uh, it, it is a fact that his company is able to bid on the project without changing the composition of the workforce, but, which means, in other words, without joining a union, without joining a union, okay? But it's also important to know that almost 20% of the workers on the site are First Nations workers. And that what's been happening right now is that um, these unions have been out in community training Cowichan workers so that they're able to work skilled trades jobs on the site. Um, the electrical workers have been training workers at the Cowichan Secondary School and the Duncan RCMP station on electrical work so they can start, as soon as the electrical work starts at the hospital, they can start on the site. The sheet metal workers has been in the community training people, Cowichan workers, in sheet metal work. So as soon as the project starts doing sheet metal work, they can start on the site. They're getting paid right now in the training. Uh, there's rebar training that's been happening in the community. And, uh, and more than a dozen people have already been offered positions working on the hospital. So, you know, the members raise really important points. We're working on this as a government. And it's a priority for us. And I, I think it's really important um, to note that it's now a priority for the other side. And, and I, I know there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of uh, important concern about our province doing a good job on reconciliation, given this province's history, and we're going to continue to do that work at Cowichan Hospital and every project that we build in this province. There you go. The balance question period. <laughs>